This is Scoreline Extra, the place where you can listen back to the best interviews that KCLR Scoreline has to offer. This week we caught up with three-time All-Ireland winning manager Cyril Farrell who spoke about the championship hopes of both Kilkenny and Galway. Kilkenny minor manager Niall Bergen looked ahead to his team's Leinster semi-final with Wexford on Monday evening. Carlo native and walking striker Park Amund looks back on more than 700 professional appearances and assesses his club's hopes of promoting to League 2. Tullow women's captain Lana Brennan and men's captain Scott Caldbeck reflect on last weekend's cup success for the club and the Irish NFL shows Colin Crowe analyses the recent draft. But first, here's Kilkenny manager Derek Ling after his size display against Galway in the second round of the Leinster Senior Hurling Championship. Joining me now is Derek Ling, Kilkenny manager. Uh, Derek, your thoughts here uh, at full time here today? I look, at, I suppose at the end, just a little bit of frustration there from our end. Um, I think at one stage we were three or four up, so look, I like, would have liked to close it out at that stage. But look, they're a good team. They picked off a few scores, um, and we had a couple of chances really to, to probably finish it, but we didn't take them. So look, we'll take a lot of learning from it. Um, it probably the end probably feels a, a bit like a defeat, but we just have to go on with it now and dust ourselves down and get ready for the, the week ahead. When you were six points up there with the game being closed out, like it's uh, it's tough, but I suppose you always expect Galway to, to respond. Yeah, look, they've they've like I said, they've quality hurlers and um, they had a good breeze behind them as well. I guess at that stage it picked up a little bit, and you know they picked off score score after score. I thought you know there was a couple of times maybe we didn't take the right option, and just to give us a little bit of a cushion again. And look, we didn't take it, but I can't fault the players. You know what they what they brought today. They brought a huge amount of hunger and drive all over the pitch. And um, if we have that every day, we go out. We're going to be a hard team to play against. So that's that's the most pleasing thing for me. And we just have to. Pick it up again now for Antrim next weekend. It keeps coming. The matches are just so quickly now. You just probably get a, a day is that it, and then just look ahead. Or how do you how do you refocus so fast? Yeah, they come thinking fast, but look, that's the way it is for everybody. Um, we're um, you know we'll get back at it tomorrow evening and we we'll just get ready again. I, I think we, we like the games. Sometimes it's easier to pick yourselves back up, but look, we're not in a bad position. We just have to um, learn from today and just drive on again. Uh, Derek, again, a bit like last week. Don't harp on it again, but uh, goals. We all must always had one in the. I'm sure you thought it was gone in as we all did. Yeah. But again, I suppose as the championship progresses, we're going to have to see a green flag or two. Yeah, we are. It's not, it's not for a want of trying or anything like that. I think Mossy was very young. He did, he did brilliant to create the chance for himself. And, um, you know, just unfortunately went the other side of the post. Look, yeah, you'd like to be getting a couple of chances. But I think overall, I think our, our play was, was, was pretty good. Yeah, and I thought there was some very crisp hurling and our off-the-shoulder passing and sharp passing was of a higher order today. That's progressing very well. You must be happy with that. I am, and it's not, it's not as if we're trying to change a whole lot. We're just, I mean, we just have to mix it up and make our, deci- our decision making has to be better on the pitch. And the lads are kind of buying into that and they're doing really well. I mean, it's, uh, you have to be able to mix it up every way. And look, at we, again, we're nowhere near where we want to be, but we're getting there. Now, while, uh, while the guy, there was a win in the second half, you'll be disappointed maybe at the way the team flagged a little bit at the end. We had a couple of chances, but we did let Galway get back into it. And at some point, we're going to have to learn to close out games. Yeah, no, for sure. I think. Maybe, you know, when you're in the stands, you don't kind of realise it, but there's a strong breeze out there as well. And, you know, that had, you know, we knew we had to really get, uh, start the second half well, which we did. We got points on the board. That took an awful lot out of the lads, obviously. And, you know, that's going to happen. We brought on some subs maybe to, to kill momentum, if you like, and bring some energy into it. But it wasn't, you know, look, it wasn't enough in the end. Um, 
but I would I would be hoping as the year goes on that we can you know we can be a little bit better at that and be a little bit you know in terms of our fitness will improve as well. It'll be no easy task heading up uh, to Belfast next week because Antrim they've worked for or they've worked for a very good game but and the margin between Antrim and the other team, top teams is, is closing all the time. Yeah, no, for sure. Look, we were up there at the start of the year, and we were lucky to lucky to get the win. To be honest, it was a really, uh, really tough game. So we're look, we uh, we played Antrim. We know at first hand how, how difficult that's going to be. So it's a it's a big one again. And finally, uh, Paddy Deegan and uh, Billy Drennan, where are they now? Progressing well. Look, it won't be next weekend uh, or the, the week after, I'd imagine. Um, so it's going to be a couple of weeks. But look, at the same time, they have a chance. Um, we just have to really just go with the medical team and see how they go in the next couple of weeks and see how they progress. Discipline performance, uh, only conceded your first free inside the 21st minute, 22nd minute. Yeah, look, I think the work rate was outstanding from our players, and you know, they, they were disciplined in that and their tackle, and um, yeah, so look, that, that, was, that was certainly a positive for us. And uh, look, uh, you know, we're going to give away a few as we did as the game went on, but uh, you know, that happens, and that's the game. Only Yeah, look, Owen is outstanding, and he's a you know he's a huge talent. And look at he's every time he goes out there, he, he gives everything. And and today again, he really stood up when we needed we needed scores at that time, and we needed someone to win ball. And you know he was there. So look, uh, Owen knows the ability he has, and he has to drive on now as well. It's uh, today is, is is one day. We have plenty of games coming up. So, um, but it's good. It was great. It was uh, a great performance by him. And at the other end, Owen Murphy's Look, it was an important, you know, we, we knew Wexford last week was very important. We knew coming down here today was going to be another important game. So, um, so yeah, and to be fair to Decky, I think it's a great message for the group because you know better myself, Niall, he, he, he hasn't played much underage, but he performed for his club and uh, that's where we really identified him and... Uh, it was great to see he's taken that club form into training and it was great to see a young up-and-coming player get an opportunity like that and, and help the squad and help the team and I think it's a, it's a good reflection on all the players that are working behind the scene. And that's no different for, that shouldn't be just for Galway, it's for Kilkenny, it's for every inter-county side. All those players are working extremely hard and probably not getting the opportunity. So, so it was brilliant and it was a fabulous score, it was a brilliant score, pressure on but... Uh, yeah, it, it, it was good. You were obviously livid at half time. You mentioned the, the start of the second half. They really tore into you, didn't they? They did, yeah. And, and to be fair, they probably figured out it was puck out, our puck out a little bit. They got on top of the half back line. That middle third, they really dominated. And look, they're so strong in the air. You know, they're, they're just any of those aerial duels, if they weren't winning it, it was very dangerous off it. And then I thought we were a little bit sloppy with the ball, turn it over. And every time we turned it over, turn it over in the central zone and uh, they were punishing us then so um, yeah so that didn't look at that stage but look that's the way it's going to go it's going to f- over and back and I said um, yeah, we're probably happy to get the, the point but again back to where at half time we were in a very good position and we didn't finish it out so that's, that's a little bit of work on for ourselves and some of our wides in the second half I wouldn't be happy with because there's players in better positions and we're taking the wrong options and that's that's not what we want to do. So loads of learning, but as, as I said earlier on, there was two points available today. There's two points available next Saturday. So, you know, that's it. We move on now, we recover, and we get ready for next weekend.
Cyril Farrell, that was a bit of a belter, and I suppose Galway people might have thought it was gone. Kilkenny were seven up, I think, at one stage. But in fairness to Galway and Henry, he made changes that people didn't expect, I yeah. suppose. Connor Cooney withdrawn, Connor Whelan withdrawn, made the changes. And to be fair to Jason Flynn, McLaughlin, Liam Collins, and Finton Burke, they all did well. Yeah, well, like that's the way the modern the game has gone. And I suppose you'd have to say, like, Galway will go home the happier in the sense that there were six points down with about eight, ten minutes to go, and it looked like Kilkenny were in the driving seat. As a matter of fact, very good first half, but like Kilkenny up the intensity of the second half and took over when six up against a slight breeze and then like a Dane Gawick came back uh, you know Kilkenny will feel the loss that one in the sense where they didn't lose it but they could have won it now I still feel though that these two teams will wind up later on in, in, in Crow Park in the, in the Leinster final and even if someone lost today supposing Gawick beat the point ok they'd be disappointed but uh, to me there's still the two teams that will come up because Kilkenny are still the benchmark Fowers are very Kilkenny Fowers in the first half and Cody in particular were very very sharp whereas Brian Concannon for Galway was very very sharp probably had the game of his life now Kilkenny Fowers indeed missed a few chances that they wouldn't in the first half but they were well up Galway to be fair finished and Henry did a big cause like taking off these guys you know but again he was probably looking at the bigger picture because this thing isn't, isn't a sprint it's a marathon oh, it's a marathon indeed uh, as a game it was great great to see a big crowd back in UPMC in Allen Park and you've said it you preempted what I was going to ask you we will see the two of them again judging by what we witnessed today but hurling was good quality was good a few bad wides one period the second half and ironically Galway didn't get a free until <laughs> about the 21st or 22nd minute but uh, overall I thought Johnny Murphy did alright yeah well like the Galway people wouldn't be happy in the first half they got one free in the first half a forward free like whereas uh, Henry at that stage got five and of course he scored them all like top free takers like Henry and Evan like, these lads won't they're, they're the nine out of ten if you know what I mean now Gaul got a few breaks in the second half you're going to get the ebb and flow and like as you said Johnny Murphy had, had a good game did what he had to do but like you compare that to the intensity say last night above in Limerick where it was blood and thunder but they're different type of games and even if you took Limerick and, and uh, Clare out of say Limerick last night out of Munster that'd be a different game even in Crow Park it's funny the, the different styles of hurling like but uh, you can't take any away from Galway or, or Kilkenny they won't fear anyone either of them teams they will improve like and even when Martin Kyohan came on there like he still showed his experience like he threw the ball around got a point or two but like you know Kilkenny have a lot of talent Galway have a lot of talent Bill disappointed last night great win for Offaly in the under 20s but like uh, saying to the boys there sometimes you lose an under 20 and you can actually get Get, make better senior hurlers over this. It doesn't always go about winning. Like lads come through, can develop late, and like hurling is, is, is alive and well. There was a lovely schools competition. The standard there was very high between Kilkenny and Galway at half time. It was, it was a joy to see. Yeah, hurling is in a good place, sir. The standard is excellent. People are criticising Gaelic football at the moment. You can't really watch it, but you could always watch hurling. But I know it's all about possession at the moment, the short ball out and this, but both teams worked the ball very well today. Yeah, well, like when you saw Kilkenny using the short ball, I thought Galway should have moved up on it. But when Kilkenny used like Galway give, let them work the short ball but they were very good at it. they pinned the passes 20 or 30 yards and they worked up the pitch now when Galway moved up that meant it was a 50-50 ball we won a few balls like if you can stop the first pass being right the second pass won't be right but like teams like to play with extra defenders therefore they have an extra man and the goalies are so good now both Daniel Murphy and Owen Murphy they're going to spin the ball if you leave a lad loose they'll spin it to him all day thought Murphy to puck out the last one was very very brave because most people would think he'd come on top of Joseph Coney here for a high one but he, he spun the ball low in front of but Lockton who had to fight hard to win and got a great score but that's the modern goalie they're not just blocking the ball they're, they're, they have to be very good at the kind of the spin ball, the fast ball, they have to have a great risk to be able to pin it. And the funny thing is, 
if they spin the ball, say, to the wing-back, even perfect, and the wing-back or centre-back drops it, it's the goalie that get blamed. That, that's, that's the way it has gone. Like. And in saying that, a great double save by Owen Murphy to keep Kenny in the match at a crucial time. Ah, sure, he's a top keeper. Like, he came out there to a ball, Conor Cooney read a lovely ball, ahead over the top, 35 yards out from the goal, but if he did, and beat the back in, but if he did, Murphy was out like a shot and took it. Most of the goal is it stay put, and a chance to look at my seat after, would probably be a, a score, like, and that, that's the standard, like, he is, he's setting the standard, it's up to him, it's up to others to get there, but all the goalies, they're all good now, now you'll see lads passing the goal, passing the ball back to the goalie, which is kind of foreign to the, to the hurling before this, but that's the way it's gone, and the goalie losing pins someone else and probably get a score out of it. Yeah, and now looking at the moves, uh, not to be critical on Galway, but they had an ideal opportunity near the end. I think it was Kevin Cooney went down, he TJ Brennan inside him. He didn't play him. I know hindsight is a great thing, but it was the ball to play, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, that ball. And there was a few balls that yeah. should have been passed inside Galway. went for the scores, and they had overlaps in this. But that probably come in training, like, you know, they're getting better and better. I keep saying, like, to the people at home that I think Galway have, have the pieces. But it's like a jigsaw, so put the right pieces together. And sometimes, as strange as it might seem, maybe the best 15 hurlers might make the best team. You just need that blend, you know, like, you you look at the likes of Mickey Butler or Mikey Butler cornerback, like he's tough, he's tenacious, he's a second year and he throws caution to the wind, like and he's kind of a regular now. Like you need a kind of a blend. God would probably need, I don't know what, maybe a little bit more what they say, steel at times, but maybe throw caution to the wind as well. They had to in the end, Brendan, when they were the six down, then they got on top. Like if they were two or three up, they probably wouldn't be throwing that caution away. And that's just the way the game flows. Final question, was it a fair result? Yeah, I I, I was I even said to Niall Canavy your co-commentator that I'd be delighted with a draw at this <laughs> over six down. Yeah, I think it was. On the, on the overall balance of the game Kilkenny would feel that they lost but like when you look at say the score counting Gaw will look at the kind of the chances there was one very debatable point the buys the line, line would claim that it was wide but it was counted but on the, on, the, on the law of averages are kind of looking at you just have to say a draw is a fair result and I'd say both teams uh, will be very happy and there was no I was delighted to see for Henry's sake and Hurland's sake and, and even Kilkenny's sake that there was, it was the way it should be played on the sideline there was no messing today yeah. OK so great to catch up with you it'll make the journey home a little bit shorter at Galway have taken a point out of UPMC Nolan Park not an easy thing to do listen it's not easy at my time it's very very hard to win down here I'd be delighted going home we'll feel that it's two points ok well listen I'll see you during the year and thanks very much God bless best of luck thanks sir Now I'm delighted to be joined by three-time All-Ireland winning manager with Galway, Cyril Farrell, to look ahead to Kilkenny and Galway's clash on Sunday. That game, of course, throws in at 2pm, with our coverage beginning at half past one here on KCLR. Uh, Cyril, thanks for taking the time to speak with myself today. How are you, first of all? Good. Oh, lovely evening down here. So, sun shining and it's very mild. Good stuff, good stuff. First of all, I suppose, are you looking forward to this one on Sunday? Um, highly anticipated match. Ah, yeah, like uh, Robbie, anytime Kilkenny and, and, and Galway meet in the, in the championship or the Inter championship, like it's always a good game. And like uh, for Galway, I think it'll tell us where we are. You know what I mean? Uh, we actually missed some good repairs last day, but like going down to Nolan Park, it's never easy. And we'll get on to Galway, of course, but I'd just be interested to get your opinion on Kilkenny, first of all. Where do you think they're at at the moment following that league final defeat, but of course bouncing back with the win against Westmead? Ah, look, they're. they're they're kind of really building a new team, especially up front. Like, okay, if TJ Reid's still there, but like Owen Cody, you know, and Mullen, Donnelly, Billy Ryan, they're around too high, but they're still relatively young. But like, it's very noticeable from from outside looking in that like Saparic, Welsh, and these guys are back in the backs again. Like, you know, and if they have everyone, they're going to be very strong. And what do you make of that? You know, you mentioned there maybe that they're still building a new team. Do you think there's enough in that team? We've seen last year how close they got. There's enough if they are to kick on to try and end this way for an All-Ireland. 
Oh yeah, like if you have the likes of Paddy Deegan, all these lads back fully fit, like there's no doubt about it. From you know, Robbie, you'll always get the one thing from Kilkenny, they'll die on their backs, they're always very, very hard to beat and most teams are going to have to be a good few points better than to beat them. You know, even last year, like Kilkenny against Limerick when they came down to the final whistle, there was only a puck of a ball in it. And what do you make of the team uh, going out against Galway on Sunday, Cyril? Do you think that is the strongest 15 Kilkenny have? Will we see much change throughout the duration of the championship? Yeah, well, I suppose, is Paddy Deegan playing now? He's the one I don't know. He wasn't out the last day. Like, Paddy Deegan is still out injured. He won't be playing yeah. in this game. Well, like, if he, like, Richie, if he was, or Robbie, if he was facing beyond, like, he's a good player and he's a hardy player. But, like, definitely with Chul Lawler back again and be interesting, we have a kind of, a, well, a new kid on the block here and he's a few years around, young Evan Island. I, I assume that Mickey Butler will pick him up the next day. It'd be interesting to see, like, Evan kind of got loose against Wexford, right? So, Butler will be a lot tighter. And from a goal point of view, it would be good to see how he'd get on against them. Yeah, and if we move on to Galway there, and you mentioned him, Evan Nyland. I mean, he starred against Wexford last weekend. Do you feel as though he is somebody that Galway needed to add to their arsenal this year? Maybe a forward that can get that three, four, five points from play every match? Yeah, well, Robbie, he's a very good free-taker. He's, he's eight, nine out of ten, if you know what I mean, in the free-taker. Now, he's around a while. He's not as young as people think. He's about six years at the end of the panel. But I'd say Wexford, he kind of, to play them corner, but he was out loose, picking up kind of loose ball or getting on breaking ball and popped him over the bar. I would think against Kilkenny, you know, that uh, Mikey Butler will probably pick him up and it'll be a lot tighter. So it'll be interesting how he gets on there. But he's, he's a good player. But like, they'd have plenty, you know, Carl Mann in his back or was back to last year from injury. Conor Cooney's kind of getting to form that he shows at the club St. Thomas's. Um, Conor Whelan, it's hard to mark, but he got a hard old bang the last day. You know, you wouldn't know how he is. Uh, Brian Concannon, they're all kind of good forwards if if they get moving, but they need space, so they may not get that much space down in Northern Park. No, you usually don't, but I suppose they got it against Wexford last weekend. They did get over the line with the win. Was it just imperative when you consider what happened last year down in Wexford Park, maybe to just chalk that one off, get the two points on the board, and see where you are heading to Northern Park? Yeah, I'd say Henry would be quite happy to get the two points, especially after the way they started. They hit two very quick goals, and they didn't get any goal back, Robbie, so they had to score seven times there to get a point up against the two goals. It was a, it was a disastrous start, so he'd be quite happy to have the two points going down to Nolan Park, and definitely, like, after Nolan Park, he'll know better where he is. And just generally with Galway at the moment, Cyril, where do you think they're at? They're obviously going to be one of the main contenders for an All-Ireland title. Do you think they're any closer to um, ending their, what is now a six-year wait for an All-Ireland? Yeah, well, I'd say what they're going to plan this year, if they're able, Robbie, is to get straight into a Leinster final and win it and try to get in that way. Now, you're going to meet Munster teams where, you'd have to be fair, like the Munster Championship is relatively stronger than the Leinster Championship. Like There's no soft touch in it. With all due respect, like, there's a few weak teams in the Leinster side, like, but you haven't that got in Munster. But it's when you get when you get to meet the limits of this world or wherever else is in it, it's a knockout game, and that's I'd say that's what Henry's aiming for. And for these two counties, I mean, most people from the outside just looking in at it would have to say that at the moment, Kilkenny and Galway are the two standout teams in Leinster. First of all for the game on Sunday is it important that one of them try and lay down a marker and secondly how important is it for them to go on and win the Leinster Championship and avoid facing a Munster team in an All-Ireland well, quarter-final I, I would think to win the Leinster title would be the big one because like uh, Robbie to me like whoever wins on Sunday it'll tell you a bit but it probably won't matter that much at the end of the day because I'd expect both Kilkenny and Galway to wind up in the Leinster final again what you say is true like is whoever wins that Leinster final is in a strong position and 
Just with um, Henry Shefflin, I suppose all eyes will be on him from a Kilkenny point of view as well. Ten-time All-Ireland winner with Kilkenny, one of the greatest players to ever pick up a hurl. What's the sort of sentiment around him in Galway? I suppose there was so much fanfare when he eventually got the job. But now that he's in year two, do you think there'll be higher expectations for him? Ah, well, like, I don't think he's under any pressure. He's he's very very popular with the panel and all the, the, the county have taken him. Like, he's, like he, as you say, he was a brilliant hurler. He's not going to insult or kind of walk on anyone, that's not his style. Like his hurling was always done in the pitch and it's the same with the team. Uh, there isn't any pressure on it, but like I suppose the second year in, I, I would think himself, last year he got a shot the way we played in, in, in the Leinster Championship, like especially against Kilkenny, that was the day that kind of let them set us down. So it, that, it's a big one for us that he get back and rectify it. And I'd, I'd be interested to get your thoughts on the Munster Championship Serial, but just before that, how do you see the game on Sunday going? I suppose it, a lot of people would expect that it'll be tight. Uh, yeah, it will, it, will, it will be tight. Like, and as well as Kilkenny being at home, it'll be the slight, slight favourites. Now, Go would love to win down there. After saying that, Robbie, was it last year before we won down there and then we lost to Dublin? Knocked out 2019, yeah, 2019. Yeah, like, you know, like it's, 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 it's only a learning process. They'd love to win, but you'll probably learn as much losing as winning. But, uh, you know... I still expect the two of them to to uh, to, to wind up with the Leinster title. Now, it'd be a great win for Galway to be able to go down to Nolan Park, like you know, because Le- Le- Kilkenny and Leinster are still the benchmark as far as Galway is concerned. So that's the one they'd love to to win. And then you know that this seems slightly lopsided at the moment towards Kilkenny and Galway and Leinster. Munster, a very different kettle of fish, seems to be incredibly tight between all five counties when you consider how Walford were so close to Limerick last weekend. What did you make of the start of the Munster Championship last weekend with Tip going to Clare and getting a win? And of course, as I said, Walford running Limerick tight, but eventually Limerick got over the line. Yeah, well, like uh, in, in the in the Clare-Tip match, the, the, the new goalie for Clare had disaster. Like, you, you pity him really. Like, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Tip got a few easy goals. Now they were, they were under Liam Cahill in the league. They've been very kind of progressive very aggressive on the ball on and off it and they're playing nice Brenda Horland. Uh not too much fancy stuff but like playing good like it was a good win for them below and in it which is hard to win down there. Whereas you say like uh Limerick still won against Waterford even though David Fitz showed like that there is a way of beating Limerick really they were there kind of beyond, uh, you know nearly nearly could be caught but weren't caught. Still got their scores easy, played for a lot of the match with fourteen men. But if you said to me say that, that Limerick will come out, which it looks like a monster but to pick the other two over the four, you know, we'd all could be completely wrong. Like, because uh, it's, it's, it's topsy torvy there, and it's probably going to wind up that way. And, you know, one of the games this weekend is Cork and Waterford. And although Waterford lost to Limerick, and a lot of people would expect that Limerick maybe will win the majority, if not all of their games in the round robin phase of Munster, is it a situation now for Waterford where if they lose this game, they're almost on the cusp of exiting the championship. Is that sort of how high the stakes are, even at this early stage of the championship? Well, it's, it's a high, it's a high stakes game for Walford because, like, uh, even though they have a few games at home, they're not playing at home, Robbie. You know, there's no pitch, so it's been done up and, and uh, Wedge Park. So, like, it's a big one. But I, I think what are we doing well to rise again this weekend coming? Because after having a big performance against Limerick, it's hard enough to go out. Cork could be fresh, playing at home, have a lot of pace. But even though there's pressure on after that game, if, if You'll find that if Waterford win two games, they still get through. I'd say, you know what I mean. Even on scoring difference, like their their scoring was good against was very little in, in the Limerick game, so that could come out and help them in the end. But it's going to be a dog fight, no matter what you look at it. And then you have Limerick and Clare on Saturday night. Again, similar situation for Clare, where they lost their first game to Tipperary. But when you consider the fact that was a home game against a side that they'll be vying for maybe that second or third spot, do they need to try and claim a scalp now to get back on oh, trap? 
they, def- they definitely do to get back on track. But like uh, Robbie, between Clare and, and, and Limerick, the form goes out the gate. And whether they're in Limerick or in Innes, it doesn't really matter. That's that's local to both of them. Now, I expect Fitzgerald uh, will be back midfield for, for, for Clare the weekend. And David Reed was was injured last week, wasn't playing last weekend, so I don't know how he is like. And there'll be a question mark, are they going to play the goalie again? And, you know, did they play him or what did they do? You know, so... It's a, it's a big decision to make, but like uh, Clare would cut into Limerick, but you'd have to say that Limerick still hold on the oh, hold on the aces, really. And what do you make of Clare generally, sir? Not a lot of talk about them coming into this championship, but when you consider how close they ran Limerick in last year's Munster final, disappointing performance in the All-Ireland semi-final, do you think they're going to kick on from there, or are we looking at a team that maybe is going backwards at the moment? Well, that's, that's, that's the big question. No, they have a lot of good hurlers, but they need everyone to. They need everyone on the pitch. The last day, like I said, Fitzgerald was missing. David Reedy was missing. They need everyone on the pitch more than everyone else was. But they definitely need everyone firing in all cylinders. Uh, the backs were open, like you know, at, at times were very open. But after saying that, then Robbie, they scored enough to win more, but a lot of matches. So like it's it's kind of it's topsy turvy. You just couldn't judge it fully. But as it goes on, they they need to get points on the board because you can be playing very well and not get points. The next thing your season is gone. And did anybody or any team particularly stand out to you last weekend across both championships here? Because I suppose you look at Antrim getting the draw against Dublin, then Tipperary after, you know, let's be honest, a disastrous campaign last year, starting off Munster this year with a win. They were two things that stood out to myself. Is there Was there any team in particular that you well, kind of caught your eye? Yeah, well, I wouldn't be surprised. It didn't surprise me. I, I Carleton Park with, with, with Antrim and their hearts meet up there in Dublin are kind of, you know, is trying to build a new team. A lot of the regulars have gone or the, kind of the main stages have gone off. The, the backbone has gone off. And he has to go looking for new lads. That wouldn't have surprised me if they had won. Now, they led for most of it and yet they were being behind when they came down to the last meeting to through the game. Uh, like Limerick, still got scores. They were scoring easier than Watford in the game, even with 14 men. Like, they seem to have to dig themselves out of a hole. Whereas, as you said, Tip looked okay. It's hard to judge them. Galway and Wexford, Galway deserved to win, but it was a real first-round match. Not, you'd, you'd learn nothing in it. I suppose a team that surprised a lot from their league performances was Davy Fitz's uh, Watford. Right? They performed much better than they did in the league. But knowing Davy, like, he would have kind of two or three game plans for each half, and he wouldn't be afraid to use them. Like, it was easy knowing he was that they were going to play much better than they were. I think he was playing mind games during the league. And if we look at the All Ireland generally as well, Cyril, I, I presume maybe maybe I'm making the wrong presumption that you think Limerick are still the favourites. If that is the case, do you, who do you think is the number one contender at the moment? Well, sure, the, they are the they are the benchmark and they are the number one team. Like, and they have like even the new stuff that's gone on, Robbie. Like, they've new guys there in, in the panel. Like, there's a Cockle that they're very good half back line. There's O'Neill up front, very good. Uh, there's an English lad, very good. And there's another young lad that got is injured there called O'Brien, very good as well. To be on most teams now, they're not they have to force the way yet on the Limerick team. But if they do come on, they won't weaken the team. Now they're they're kind of everyone's favourites, and so that's everyone that's no secret if you know what I mean. After that. It's it's wide open, but I would see Kilkenny and Galway as the main two challengers to Limerick when all is settled down. And I'd just be interested to get your opinion on a couple of other things while I have you, Cyril, if you don't mind. First of all, a lot of talk about the style of hurling at the moment, short passing, etc. Um, what have you made of that? Do you think hurling is as good a spectacle now as it was 10, 20, 30 years ago? Uh, well, it's a different game, it's all short passing. I suppose they'll have to look at it. Uh, you see, there's a lot of rooks as well, Robbie, coming in. It'd be interesting. I would love to see kind of a few league matches or just experiment a little bit with no hand passing. That would have been back hurling completely. The way it is going now, like, well, it's the team's way to set up. They'll usually have a sweeper or they call it now a six plus one. 
So he can pluck it out to the cornerback or fullback who's on his own and he can look around and pin it up the field and they'll work it kind of up the field. Now they're very, very fit. They have lovely touches, great skill, but the game has gone slower because the ball isn't travelling. It's been worked up and then when it breaks down, there's a big rook, there's a middle third in that we call a midfield and you're before just before there, but you know there's about 10 or 12 in it because they're all abroad and so there's a scramble and there's a kind of a whoever wins the hard ball. Like, you know, it's gone like football really. So if it keeps travelling like that, I think I think the Taurus will have to look at it. That's an interesting point because, you know, with the greatest respects to Gaelic football, I think over the last 10 or 15 years, a lot of people would acknowledge that the sport has taken a wrong turn maybe to the detriment of it. Are you worried at all that hurling will go that way? When you consider how good hurling is when it's played kind of, I'm not going to say properly, but at an incredibly high level in a good good on the eye, do you, are you concerned at all about the way hurling is heading? Uh, you'd have to be, yeah. You'd have to be, like, because it's even going across the pitch now and, like, looks lovely pass it back to the goalie and he can flick it across the fair cornerback it's possession hurling whereas old they'll tell you their old style if you, before the cornerback got a loose ball he'd drive it up to the say the wing forward or the corner forward out in front the forwards be out in front that's nearly gone so by the time the ball comes now all the forwards are marked and you're like the, the full back lines now Robbie are, are, are in a privileged position because you have three in the full back line and the most you'll have in the full forward line is two and just just another thing I wanted to pick up on as well, sir, because I was chatting with um, your former Sunday game colleague, Tomás Mulcahy, not too long ago. And, of course, a lot of people listening in will know you from your time managing Galway minors, seniors and under-21s, but also from your time with the Sunday game on RTE. Uh, do you miss that at all? I used to love it. I, I, I'd be going to the matches. I know it was there a long, long time, Robbie. Like, but just love to show who we're doing. It was very easy to do what we're doing. It's like playing a game of cares efforts. As I'd be saying to the boys, it's most easier to do it outside the wire than inside the wire. Go inside the wire and see how easy it is. You know. But look, it was, it was, we had great crack, great fun. But even that's kind of gone out of it now, Robbie. They're gone into stats and graphs. And, you know, that's that's fine. But to me, that's more like for a classroom. Like, hurling is instinct. You have to be able to hurl, trap the ball, first touch. It's still all about that. And it's all about when all is said and done, there's only one stat that counts. And that's what's on the scoreboard. Yeah. And that was kind of my next line of questioning because it was something that Tomas brought up when I was chatting to him. And as somebody is kind of, you know, in their mid-20s, growing up, I would have seen yourself and Tomas and Gerlach Nan, Michael Lester. And it was kind of, as I said to Tomas at the time, I suppose the analysis of the game itself was as much a spectacle as the game. Like, do you do you watch on now and think this has become completely sort of saturated, diluted, and it's not actually for the betterment of anything? Yeah, I'm afraid it's gone that way. Like what I what I judge it now is on I know it might be the right way is on the local pubs. Before Robbie, when the when the Sunday game had come on, everyone would keep quiet, turn up to, to watch the games and yeah. the analysis and the bitter crack. Now, like they'll have it on, but they turn it down. Like it's gone yeah. completely, kind of as you say, saturated with with facts and figures. Like you know, so. It's it's that's the way, but that's that's the modern game, and you have to go with it, I suppose. Like until maybe the rules are changed a bit. Do you think it's a difference in generations? Do you think there's just a lack of opinion? Is it a fear maybe to kind of speak what they're thinking? Where do you think it's gone wrong? Because it's not just hurling. We should say it's not exclusive to hurling, but just in this particular case. Yeah, well, you see, Robbie, like you say something wrong. I say something wrong about you, and I say. Robbie had a poor game, or he's very weak on his left side, or I don't think he's fit enough. Should you? It's all be, true. You, you, you could be. You could be up. Someone could take you up the steps. It's it's gone that way. Like yeah. you know, we would always have good crack and banter, but that's kind of gone. But as well, that's life in general. Like things are gone very, it's gone very politically correct. You can't say you know do anything over the way, and and and, and things are people are gone very. What would you say? Um, 
looking like kind of taking people to court for for little simple things like you know it's 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 a different world. Yeah, and then the final thing I was going to ask you, sir, because you're renowned as one of the greatest GA managers of all time. Do you ever miss management either? Uh, look, at, I'd love the management at the match time. But you wouldn't miss all the training, now, I'll tell you that. Like, you know what I mean? The, the training is full-time. Like, uh, in our time, I have to laugh. Like, they're full-time now and they're going to gyms and that. We hadn't as many gyms. But, like, we were different that time, Robbie. It was a knockout and you, you only got one rattle head. We would do three or four weeks in a row and then take two or three days off. You know what I mean? Now, sometimes in them days, it'd be two or three sessions a week. It wouldn't be just, you know, you'd have a full Saturday and a full Sunday. Like you'd be t- But the lads would have to commit to that. Like That doesn't mean you're going to win, because, okay, you'd win the quarterfinal, you should beat all Ireland B-winners, but then you go up against the Leinster Munster winners, and uh, unless you're very white, get beaten by a point, you're gone till the following August. Long time around. Like, you know, now, like, I'd love to, be, I'd love to manage you now, because it's nearly harder. You're still in the championship you can lose a lot of matches now and and and, and when I see the see go at the moment playing under twenty and they could they could lose the tr- first three matches in the in the round robin and Insta and still go on and win the Leinster yeah. championship. So you'd love to have a team in that because you're you're bound to improve and get the little weaknesses uh, you know in the covered over. Whereas we're coming from a training feed, you get one shot like it's a completely different game. And very finally, Cyril, is there anything that you reflect on? in your managerial career that stands out more than most was it kind of that first All-Ireland with Galway when you ended such a long way for it yeah I suppose it was really that was you know what was it 57, 60 years old then it was like and uh, it took so long to come and when it came to the <laughs> we had a very good winter Robbie or should I say there was no winter at all it was all you know <laughs> uh, the team the team was a strong physical team at the time but they were around a long time they were coming to the end of the tether that was the piece you really suppose we look back at it, but like look at it it was great to win it because uh, we'd always play well and be there thereabouts would never win and the, the more longer it goes on the harder it is like if you put in Kilkenny say at the moment Tip and Cork and put their all islands together so there's hardly one left for the rest of us you know what I mean when you count yeah. out, like they are the, they're still the benchmark like well, Cyril Farrell, it was an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Enjoy the game on Sunday and best wishes for everything in the future. Pleasure is mine, Robbie. Now I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by Kilkenny minor hurling manager Niall Bergen to look ahead to tomorrow's game between Kilkenny and Wexford in the Leinster Minor Hurling Championship semi-final a throw-in time there of 2 o'clock at UPMC in Oldham Park and if you're not at the match of course we'll have full live commentary right here on KCLR. Uh, Niall thanks so much for talking to me today, how are you? I'm good Robbie, thanks. Good now, looking forward to looking forward to the weekend ahead in the match on, on, on Monday of course. Yeah, it's a, it's a big game I suppose for your own side. Niall, I mean you must be excited for this one. Absolutely, Robbie. Yeah, look, looking forward to the game. Um, it's great that we're into a Leinster semi-final, um, and uh, look, it's a, it's a very important game. Obviously, it's been it been a semi-final, um, but also, of course, if you if you win the game, um, you're into a Leinster final, but you're also booking a place in an Ireland semi-final as well, uh, which would be uh, hugely important and hugely beneficial, of course, to all of the the players involved in terms of their development. Yeah, and it is a big game. How much do you think? the victory against Offaly who of course were last year's Leinster champions will stand to this side when you consider that was also a knockout game a, a huge tie going away from home but to get over the line there do you think that will be beneficial heading into this one? 
I hope so. I hope so, Robbie. Yeah, um, look, the lads, it was really the game, it was really put up to the lads last weekend um, in Faithful Fields against Offaly and uh, the lads, in fairness to them, uh, they didn't lie down. They, they, you know, they, 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 I suppose they didn't get off to the best of starts um, but the lads really, you know, uh, regained their composure uh, in an impressive manner and uh, in the second half then really drove on as well. So it wasn't an easy game and Offaly, um, naturally enough, uh, they weren't going to give us anything simple up in Faithful Fields, home venue and as you, as you mentioned, uh, current Leinster champions as well so um, it, w- it wasn't going to be a, a simple task but look delighted with the way the lads came through it and um, yeah we're hoping that again uh, it'll it'll stand to us as we look forward to uh, tomorrow's game Obviously it was a great result were you happy enough with the performance from a managerial perspective? Um, the the performance the the performance was 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 pretty good, Robbie. Um, we do feel that there's room for improvement, uh, no doubt about it. We feel the same if we won by whatever number of points, twenty points or or whatever. But we feel that there is room for improvement. That that the uh, you know that the lads, what we've seen in training and what we've seen in some other games uh, throughout the year, that the lads um are capable of producing um um I suppose a, a bigger performance as well. But that said, um, it's Championship hurling now, Robbie, and it's a it's a different ball game uh, when it's Championship hurling and uh, the boys you, you forget at times the lads are 15, 16 and 17 years of age so really delighted the way they weathered the office storm last week um, and, um, and 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 you know they, they proved to themselves that they get able to get through these tight matches um, so we'll look again hopefully if we're in that position next Monday that the lads will be able to drive on as well You mentioned it there that phrase that's so often used around this time of the year now with the change in calendar the fact that it's championship hurling do these games starting with the Offaly one but particularly looking ahead to the game tomorrow against Wexford do they take on a completely different life of their own compared to maybe what we've seen in the round robin phase? They do. Uh, they really do. Look, you're focusing on, on on your own performance, and 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 I suppose we're you set targets for the lads, and you're hoping that the lads will hit those targets. And if we do, that we'd we'll go ahead and go along and win the game. But as I said already, that they're they're young men, and uh, they're going to react differently um, on, on on different occasions. Um, and it's about I suppose it's it's the mental side of things as well. Is 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 huge, um, particularly with this age group. So it's a, it's a matter of the players trusting themselves, going out and giving their their best performance and if that's good enough and then that 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 will that will take us across the line. But it's about I suppose you just want to perform Robbie and you want the players to go out and perform and um, look we believe that there's a, a good performance or a big performance in them and uh, we hope that they'll bring it tomorrow. Yeah and the fact that it's maybe at home as well, do you think that can be used to your advantage? Yeah, look, it's great to play at Nolan Park. Yeah, absolutely great to play at Nolan Park. Um, as I said, look, we're on the road last week and we're on the road for most of our matches this year. So it's nice to be back in Nolan Park, home venue. Hopefully we'll get a, a good crowd out on a, on, a, on a bank holiday Monday to support the lads. And um, look, most of the lads have played and have played a few, on, on numerous occasions as well as in Nolan Park. So it's, 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 um, it's nice to be at home. And just generally, Niall, I suppose, are you happy with where, how it's gone so far this year? Back in the Leinster semi-final, as you say, uh, one victory away from being in an All-Ireland semi-final and maybe even potentially becoming Leinster champions as well. You, you must be kind of delighted with how it's all gone, you know, irrespective of maybe the Galway result. Yeah, look, I, I use the I use the word already, Robbie, about development, and the more games that we can get the lads and in 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 big stadia, uh, the more games that we can get, and, and in those big venues, the better for these players because we believe that they'll be in a better position moving forward. Whether they win a trophy or not this year, Robbie, that's that that's one side of things. But it's about developing these players and trying to get them through to to uh, under twenty level and please God senior level. And we want to make sure that we're doing everything we can as a management uh 
to put these lads on the right path um, and that success if it is a trophy this year fantastic but success long term is watching these players develop and watching these players please God put on an under 20 jersey and a senior jersey in years to come and, and knowing that that uh, they went through the, they went through minor level and they, they improved bit by bit as they went along as well and hopefully we get some more games Robbie um, after, after tomorrow's game please God we'll be able to come out on the right side of the result and we'll get more more games and more big occasions um, for these players because that's when you truly find out about about players as well and something that you kind of mentioned there and have alluded to across this conversation is you know the importance of games and big games and you know the the bigger the magnitude I suppose the more you'll find out about a player and then on the opposite side of things you'll have a lot of people saying that maybe you know this doesn't get going until it's right now kind of at the knockout stage of things and that the round robins and whether it be at minor under 20 or even senior level you know they're not what the traditionalists or the purists would enjoy do you think that it's really important that we maintain this current system where players get to pull on a Kilkenny jersey or an inter-county jersey generally more than once if say they have one defeat absolutely Robbie um, I think it's hugely important um, particularly at underage level um, and it's delighted to see that the round robin system is in at under 20 level as well but um, it, it would be very hard to get your head around if you're an under 17 or under 20 Robbie and I'll just talk about under 17 considering uh, you know obviously we're working with the 17 year olds and 16 year olds but it'd be very hard to get your head around playing one game and being knocked out um, if you can't you know that flies in the face of development really and truly um, and, 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 and trying to improve players etc um, so like if you're training for the last you've been training for the last three, four, five months and you play one game and you're out Robbie I, I, I just I find it very hard to I, I find it very hard to get my head around it to be honest with you so I think the, the round robin is hugely important uh, it gives players a, and, and and not only does it give the, the, the same 15 it gives players a chance to develop and we have a panel of 33 and each player is just as important as the next player in our 33 um, and certain fellas have been used at, at certain on, on certain occasions and they're getting an opportunity to experience these big games so look I would be a I would be um, hugely supportive of the, the round robin system, and then of course building into your knockout stages. But uh, for a, for a, for, a, for a youngster who dreams of playing at minor level for Kilkenny or whatever county, um, it would be extremely difficult to get your head around being knocked out after one game. And not to kind of um, dwell on it too much, but I remember when I was speaking to you before the start of the championship, I think it was, you mentioned the importance from your side of things that maybe priority number one is developing players to go on and try and play for the under-20s and the seniors with Kilkenny. Do you think that's missed by, say, spectators like myself or other people just looking in from the outside that maybe are so focused in on the one game that maybe, say, this Monday, for instance, that we actually miss the bigger picture and the fact that they're playing now to try and be better for the future. Yes, there's a danger of it. There's a danger of it, Robbie. But I suppose um, those who are firmly in tune with what's happening, they know what's going on. And, um, you know, in terms of the players, parents and family members, they know the sacrifices that uh, they as families have made um, for their sons um, to, to go to training three, four times a week in the winter months and the whole lot. And they know what's gone into it. And yes, you're, you're hinging everything. Everything hinges on a 60-minute game or 64 or five-minute game. But the bigger picture can sometimes be missed Robbie to answer your question can sometimes be missed when a performance when, when obviously you have a Kilkenny supporter who's or, 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 or from whatever county sitting down watching the game for 60 minutes or 62 or 3 and then and, and passing judgement listen it's par, it's, it's par for the course it's part and parcel of life that that, 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 that happens but 
you know, at times you, you, you want the performance and you want everybody to, to go out there and perform and for it to click. But at times that doesn't happen for whatever reason. And we've got to understand that as well. As I said to you already, the mental side of things is, is, is a huge part of preparation nowadays. And we have to understand that sometimes it mightn't happen for youngsters. And if they learn from the experience, well, then, do you know what? It's been a worthwhile uh, venture as well. And just for yourself, Niall, are you enjoying it? Are you enjoying kind of being over these players? I know you've mentioned a couple of times now when you've been speaking to us that um, they're a great bunch of players. They are. They are a great bunch. They are a great bunch and it makes everything an awful lot easier, Robbie, uh, going to training and and, um, and all the rest uh, when you are dealing with real good, solid characters. And... Uh, I am enjoying it, Robbie, and to be honest, you'd want to be enjoying it. Um, you'd, you'd want to be enjoying it, uh, considering uh, everything that's involved in it as well. And look, uh, I'm very, I count myself very lucky to have a, a really good management team there as well, uh, who are all working so hard uh, for the betterment of of Kilkenny, uh, the Kilkenny minor team as well. And just very finally, Niall, have you got any injury concerns at all for the game tomorrow, or are you picking from a fully fit panel? Um, we, yeah, we expect to pick from a fully fit panel, Robbie. A few knocks and niggles after the Offaly game, uh, after a good, tough physical game last Sunday. Uh, but we do expect to have everybody available available to us uh, tomorrow as well. So, yeah, looking forward to the game and um, and hopefully we'll come out on the right side of the result. That's exactly it. Best wishes, Niall. Thanks ever so much for speaking to me today and hopefully we're speaking to you after the game tomorrow when you're cider in the Leinster final. Thanks very much, Robbie. Appreciate that. Welcome back. Now, as promised, I'm delighted to be joined by walking striker Park Hammond. Park, how are you today? All good. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. Um, before we get into the hopes for the playoffs, I just wanted to ask you about the fact that two weeks ago you made your 700 career appearances playing for Shamrock Rovers on the 16th of March 2006. How did that feel to know that you've had a career that's lasted that long? Um, it was something I'm very proud of, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I, I I think if you had said to me on um, on that night when I made my debut that I was going to end up playing 700 games, I, I probably would have laughed. I never would have thought it was going to happen. So I was just obviously really happy to, to do it um, and, you know, to, to be over in England for as long as, as I've been and played in Ireland and in Portugal as well. It just, there was a lot packed in there in, in that space of time as well. So, yeah, it is something I'm very proud of. And I'm sure in professional football you're always looking towards the next match, next training session and just the next challenge. But was that a moment, and I know it was on your 35th birthday as well, was that a moment where you were able to reflect and look back, even though it is towards the end of what could be an incredibly successful season or has definitely been a successful season so far? Um, it, was, it was just one of those, I suppose, that we had a game that day, so I was more worried about that and we lost it. So I was more disappointed about that and it was only after down and have a little look at it and obviously it'll it'll mean a lot more in 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 years to come as well when I do look back at my career when it when it does finish but it's like you said it's it's <laughs> the games come around so thick and fast it's very hard to just sit down and, and, and think about one thing um because you're you're just all automatically looking at the next game straight away. Um and that's that's the way I've always been throughout my whole career. I don't get bogged down in things or anything like that. I always no matter whether we win, lose or draw, it's always look straight to the next game because, again, like I said, the beauty of, of, of soccer is there's so many games that if you lose a game, you can rectify it very, very quickly. And if you win a game, you just can't wait for the next one because you, you just want to go on a roll. 
And we spoke to you prior to your move to Woking. Since then, I mean, it's been a great time for the club. They've just confirmed that they've made the playoffs in the National League for the first time in the club's history. How have you found the move? It's been very, very good. It's been a pleasure to, to be part of the club. Um, the owners have been fantastic um, in supporting the manager and, and he's been brilliant as well. Um, you know, given the bringing the players that he has brought in, his recruitment has been excellent and that's half the battle um, when you get good recruitment and it's just been it's just been a really enjoyable season uh, to play in a team that's that's been doing so well you always hope every season that's what you're going to be doing no one wants to go out there and, and be in a relegation battle or in mid mid table where nothing's really to be played for um, so you want to be at towards the top end of the table looking at promotions and and being involved in playoffs and I think at six or seven of the last nine years I've been in I've been involved in in uh, playoffs or been promoted, so it's it's nice to be on this side of it rather than being fighting relegation, which I had at one or two other clubs as well. So stuff like that is it's great. It makes it makes it all a, a lot better and makes the season more enjoyable. It makes the season go a lot quicker as well. To be honest with you, um, I feel like it's only it's not long ago since it was the first day of pre-season meeting up with the lads, and, and now we're we're almost at the, the last game of the season and. And, and heading into the playoffs, so it's it's been an exciting season. It's been great to be part of, but ultimately as well, you wanted to be successful. So the next couple of weeks are going to really decide whether it's been a good season for us or not. Yeah, because that will be the playoffs, and the playoffs in the Vanarama National League are slightly different to what would be used to maybe with um, the Championship League One and League Two. But nevertheless, you're in with a shout of it. How exciting is that to know that you know, with the greatest respect, a small club like Woking could get into the football league with one or two results going their way now? Yeah, it's, it'll be it'll be a huge for the club. It's the first time, like I said, in the history of the club that I've got to the playoffs in the National League and. Again, it's it's been great for us to be part of that. Um, but I suppose the the big thing about it is that things like this don't happen every year. And historically, when you look at clubs who've come out of nowhere to get into the playoffs, the following season there's either a, um, a little bit of a of a hangover maybe, or players they will have lost their better younger players and they've been rebuilding uh, the club. And we're hoping we don't end up in that situation, but the best way I suppose to not end up in that situation is to be promoted so look we'll give everything we have um, and whether it's good enough we'll just have to wait and see but we believe we can do it um, we're not going there to kind of make up the numbers or anything like that we're, we're like I said we're going in there because we believe we can we can be promoted so we'll just have to just see how it plays out give everything we have and, and hope that we come out at the right end of it and what are playoffs like for a player? Could you give us a bit of an insight into that? Are they different to to a normal league game? Do they take on a kind of life of their own, maybe more akin to an FA Cup game that, of course, you've been incredibly successful in from a personal point of view and as with teams over the years? Like, Is there a different feeling approaching the game and then when you're actually playing it yourself? Yeah, they're a lot more tense. and They're very different to the FA Cup games for us because... The FA Cup games for for the lower league players there's nothing to lose in them. You've everything to gain. Um, you know, winning the game is is huge for the club, but the game itself is is you know just split gate receipts in in the FA Cup. So if you're away at Man United in Old Trafford and there's eighty thousand people there, seventy thousand people there, regardless of the result, there's zero pressure. Um, the playoffs are very very different because 
you know one mistake can can cost you and I suppose these are very different compared to the, the football league ones as well because in the football league it's two legs whereas this way there's a quarter final a semi final and then obviously a final so you don't get that second second chance to to you know redeem yourself like we did at Grimsby, Grimsby in 2016 we got beaten the first leg one nil and then won the second leg and then got promoted if it was this year we'd have been out you know so it can be very very tense um players players do feel the occasion there's no point lying about it you can try try play the game as much as you can but the, you, you do feel the occasion and you do know that there is a little bit of um nervousness in the air especially when you're the home team because obviously you've got the more more supporters so they know that the first goal is huge in that in those games and and if there's a mistake made and it does cause a goal that it's such a difficult um it's a such a difficult way to come back being a, with it being only one leg so look, look we're, we're looking forward to it we've seen the last few years the teams that have finished 6th um, and 7th even though they've got the hard way of going to the quarterfinals and semi-finals all the way they've, they've gone through and been promoted so we know it's possible for anyone to be promoted um, there's obviously the tough one with Notts County being in it this year with them being so so good this year Um and just missing out on automatic promotion, but again, like I said, we still believe we can we can we can be promoted. So hopefully the pressure will be all all on them, and we can go through the the kind of the quiet route and 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 be promoted. I was going to touch on that the fact that Wrexham and Notts County had the most incredible push for first place. That's the only only automatic spot in the National League. Wrexham eventually got over the line, so Notts County had to deal um, with second place, like. For for them, is it different going in? Maybe will they be a bit sort of not flat, but you know they'd be disappointed that they didn't get automatic promotion. Then they have to bring themselves back up to get into it. Whereas maybe you're in the mind frame of you knew we were going to be in the playoffs not a long while off, but you know for a couple of weeks now, and that you're completely solely focusing on that. Can you use that to your advantage? I know maybe you're not going to be facing Notts County immediately either, but just if you were to get through the the first stages of it, I suppose looking at. Teams in recent years, I know being part of the the Newport team when we got to the playoff final, we we just snuck in on the last day and finished seventh. And the team who just missed out on automatic was Mansfield, and they had finished fourth. And I think they missed out with a goal in the last four or five minutes of of uh, their game, which cost them. And we felt going into that game that we had a we had a big advantage on them. We we were going in, you know, delighted we were in the playoffs where they were disappointed. Um, Will Notts County have it at this year? It's it's hard to say. They'll probably they'll obviously go into it knowing that knowing that they've probably beat everyone in the league this year, bar maybe one or two games where they haven't. They've had a fantastic year themselves in Wrexham, and it 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 must be, you know, if I put myself in that dressing room, they must be disappointed that they didn't go up automatically. But then equally, they'll think, well, we'll be next amount of points clear of everyone else, so. You know, in theory, they're the second best team in the league, so they should do it. Um, but that's not how football works. <laughs> Things work very, very differently, and and all it takes is them to have one one off day, and and have that pressure of the of the the playoffs, which they're going to have um, with their big crowd as well. So it's up to someone else to take advantage of that. Who's going to take advantage? We don't know yet. Um, but like I said, hopefully we are the ones to do it. But it um, to be 
credit where credit is due, both of them have had fantastic seasons, so they deserve a lot of, like I said, a lot of credit for that. And just with regards to, obviously, it was Wrexham and Notts County going for the title. There's been a lot of publicity on Wrexham because of their owners from Hollywood, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney, of course. Have you found that there's been a keener eye and a lot more eyes generally on the National League because of that? And has it really gone to, sh- gone to show the quality on, on display as well? Because your game a couple of weeks back was live on BT Sport. Wrexham and Notts County's kind of so-called title deciders on BT Sport. It seems to be that there's a keen focus on the National League more so than ever before. Yeah, it has. It's been huge for the for the league. Then the... Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney coming in. Um, it's it's been brilliant for for Wrexham, obviously for for numerous reasons. Um, and you know, I, I think a lot of people are probably going to go down the route of well, they've bought the league and whatever. But there's a lot of pressure on those players, so they deserve credit as well. But I think the bigger thing what they've done with the club is they've bought the sta- stadium back. They now own the stadium as a club. Wrexham have always had a big fan base, and they've always historically been a, a big club. Um, so it, it, it's it's good good that it was not a manufactured club if that makes sense to you. Um, yeah. That they were going in just to, to to put their own stamp on things, but they bought into it as well, and it, it's obviously it's obviously made everything else huge as well. Um, then all the coverage around it, um, and it, it, the national league is going to miss them um, as much as much as a lot of teams would be happy to see them gone over because they obviously the money they have. Um, the, a lot of the eyes are going to be taken away from it now, and it's all going to be focused on on them and League Two. And, and I know obviously League Two is not finished now, and next year is still a long way away. But they have to be the favourites for next year because of the the back end they have, and and they're not afraid to put their hand in the pocket and 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 bring in players to get to the next level. I think they'll find getting to League One a lot easier than they'd find getting out out of the conference. It took them 15 years. It won't be 15 years before they're, they're, they're in 15 years' time. They won't be in League Two. They'll have they'll have gone somewhere else. Um, you know, so it's been great for the league, but I think the league is going to miss them. But um, equally, I'm hope I'm hoping that we're going to miss the league as well <laughs> by getting promoted. So we might have to might see Wrexham next year, hopefully. That's the, that's the aim anyway yeah fingers crossed for you but before I let you go Park just one or two other things um, yourself as an experienced player you've joined clubs over the years at different ages or whatever has your role changed that you join Woking do you become in and become more of a leader because you have more experience particularly say you know your experience with the playoffs now coming up and d- does that actually happen or do you just kind of embed yourself in a club like you would have had 10 or 15 years ago you try and bed yourself in as, as as much as you can at every club you go to. Um, one of the the big reasons that the manager did bring me to the club was because of my football league experience and how many games I played there, and he wanted to bring the club to the next level. And he'd done it. There was maybe three or four of us he brought in who were experienced players, and we had meetings very early on as a group that you know we were we were going to be key to him, but in the dressing room and on the pitch. And you know it, it is. It's, it's flattering when the manager thinks that of you. He obviously you try to give as much um, help to the players, the younger players, as you can. Um, you know, with with the experience that you do have, and I think the experience of going into the playoffs. So over the next kind of four or five days, the, the conversations that we'll be having as a group, we'll be trying to give as much 
much guidance to the to the younger players who've not been in that situation yet, or you know, it, it, this is new to them. So while it's new to the club as well, there's quite a few players who've been in playoffs before. So I think it's it's important that we use those players. We'd be we'd be silly not to use that experience. And the role does change. Yeah, um, you know, maybe when you suppose you are younger, you go in and you just concentrate on on yourself as much as possible. Now, being an older player, you're watching every move of every player nearly just to make sure no one's going out of line and and, and they're not getting carried away with things because it's very easy for a young player to get carried away um, and believe things when others might be telling them certain things about moves they might be getting. And so you're just trying to keep them concentrated on the task at hand. So the manager's been very good at that, to be fair to him, um, with those players. And if we've seen it as the experienced players, we've seen anything that, that has happened We've nipped it in the bud straight away and, and kept them on the straight and narrow or kept their eyes on the prize rather than letting them get carried away. And just lastly, Park, if you were, and I know it's a long way off yet, but if you were to promote, where would it rank uh, along the list of achievements that you've had throughout your career? Yeah, it'd be brilliant. It'd be, be an unbelievable achievement, you know, more so for the club than anything because to to, I suppose, bring a club be part of a team that would bring a club to the highest position they've ever been in their in their history you know would have to be up there um, you know the, the whole plan when, when I signed here I did say at the time in interviews I felt I believe we could make the playoffs as a minimum and you know push for promotion and you know maybe some people didn't believe it at the time um, you know we, we certainly believe it as players and, and I wouldn't have come to the club if I didn't think it could have happened so yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can get promoted, and if that happens, then I can sit down and start ranking them in orders or anything like that. But it, it will be a huge achievement. Brilliant stuff, well, Park. Thanks a million for taking time out of your day to talk to us, and best wishes in the playoffs. Thanks very much. Park Amandere looking back on a remarkable career that has spanned over 17 years and more than 700 games and also looking ahead to the playoffs with walking that will of course begin next month. Lots more still to come on Scoreline. Welcome back. Now I'm delighted to say that we're continuing our rugby talk because Tullow captain Lana Brennan joins me to reflect on last weekend's Paul Flood Cup victory over Tullamore. Lana, how are you this afternoon? I'm not too bad, Robbie. How are you? Very good. Probably not as good as you because, of course, it's been an incredible week for yourself and for the club. What has it been like since you got your hands on the cup? Oh, you know, it's just been amazing. And I suppose the celebrations continued on. I'd say there's people still probably celebrating now. Um, But it was just fantastic to be able to go out and celebrate on the Saturday and celebrate on the Sunday. And it's just so special to do it twice in a row. Yeah, and we'll focus on the club, obviously. Um, we spoke a little bit earlier on to uh, Scott, of course, who captained the men's side to the Towns Cup. But just for yourself, for the women's team, to actually get over the line, I know you took a healthy lead against Tullamore, but then eventually, once the final whistle went, to know that you were the champions, I mean, it must have been a phenomenal sense of achievement. Yeah, I can't even really describe it in words. I mean, there was definitely... There was that, that feeling of relief was definitely there as well because yeah. I don't know if you heard much about the scoreline but basically we were winning 29-13 up until the last 10 minutes so we kind of um, let the foot off the pedal there for the last little while and uh, 
definitely we were we were delighted to be able to let Catherine Deputy kick that penalty out and, and finish on a high. Um, so it was a bit of uh, a shock as well straight away that the fact that we'd actually managed to do it again. Um, so that'd be our fourth time winning the Cup. But in particular this year, our league wouldn't have gone quite as smoothly. We had... A lot of girls that had gone off travelling, that had had plans to travel since COVID, that actually went ahead with this this coming this season gone, and um, we had a lot of brand new girls to rugby. So it was just fantastic to be able to have that kind of achievement again this year. And just for the match yourself, you mentioned there. I know Tullamore were coming back into the game as it went on. Like, how much character do you have to show? Because we hear a lot about when there's momentum with a side, it can be not easy. But sometimes when you're trailing and you get back into the game, it can kind of the game can go with you. But to actually just see it out and to stem that tide, it must have taken a lot of effort, but also kind of mentally a lot of focus just to steer your way to victory. Yeah, well, definitely. And look, we knew coming into that match that we had to have the the mental effort just as much as the physical effort. I think that's what it came down to was was how how bad we wanted it at the end of the day. Um, you know, we knew that we were in the lead, and if we took the foot off the pedal, it was going to be a very very different night for us and a, a very different year of for to show all the work that we'd actually put into it if we hadn't have kept our heads down and kept motivation and kept encouraging each other I mean at that point of the game there was nobody getting frustrated with anyone's mistakes it was just constant motivation on the pitch and I think that was what really got us out um, with the win and you mentioned there maybe that the league campaign hasn't gone exactly according to plan how much of a kind of energetic tool does it re-energise your season knowing that you have a Paul Flood Cup campaign to come and it clearly has in some ways because you've ended the season on an incredible high yeah absolutely um, I mean we kind of finished off our league quite well which gave us a bit of momentum to build on and I think things were just starting to come together um, we were lucky enough that we had one girl that had, had come back from travelling we had two back from injury as well we can't forget about that too we did have those extras to come back to us coming into Cups but also we kind of I think changed our, our attitude on the pitch and changed our mentality and really just strove we'd set a goal that we were going to win our last four games um, of the league and we achieved that goal and we already already had that bit of momentum coming into Cup and I think Tolo in general as a club really thrives for Cup even though I know league is where we get our promotion but Cup is just special to Tolo so we put our heads down and, and we knew once we got through I suppose maybe the quarterfinals we were thinking was our biggest channel challenge to get that was what we were worried about not getting past that stage and once we got through that we realised well, we can actually do this again for the second year in a row and I don't think anyone needs any extra encouragement I think the thought of that themselves brought the whole team through And what is it about the Cup particularly Lana do you think that kind of sparks the team into life is it that knockout stage yeah, is it yeah, the fact I that you can get that- through so quick yeah, I think it is the more so the fact that it's knockout. Every match you're playing could be your last match. The fact that it's at the end of the season as well. Um, I know it was ran one year at the beginning of the season post-COVID, but I, we didn't, it didn't feel as much as Cup even when it was then. It was, I think it's the fact that you're playing for everyone to be able to continue and play the following weekend or the following two weekends. Um, it's really that final feeling playing every match you're playing in Cup. So I think the knockout stage is really what does drive you. And to do it for two years back to back, I mean, it's hard to do it once, but to do it twice in succession, like, was it was it harder to go back and do it again? Did the victory from last year kind of make you want to do it even more again this year? Did you think about it at all? 
But yeah, no, I mean, it was definitely on our minds, um, especially, I suppose, those of us that had been on the team last year as well as this year, um, definitely on our minds that it would have been amazing to, to do the double. But I suppose we were the underdogs coming into it as the league hadn't gone too well. Tullamore had beaten us twice within the league. Um, so we, I suppose there was not quite as much, maybe it's just a personal opinion of mine, but not quite as much pressure that we were the underdogs we were coming in we were coming in extremely confident but the expectations I'd say of a lot of outsiders were, were that Tullamore was going to win it and I personally feel you have a bit of advantage coming in as an underdog And for yourself personally I mean to be to captain the side to victory and also to be able to lift the cup like it must rank amongst the very highest of achievements you've had in your own sporting career yeah, absolutely. It's amazing. And to be able to captain it two years in a row is just, I couldn't even put it in words. Now, I, I can I can happily retire from my captaincy <laughs> after that. Um, so, yeah, it was just incredibly special. And uh, it felt like we were a family out there, like it always does with Tolo, So, And looking forward to next season, Lana, obviously you'll want to have a run in the cup again but is it kind of about now trying to build on that cup success and become more consistent in the league and have a real run at the league as well yeah look I suppose for us and maybe the foot was taken off the pedal a little bit as well as league is so we're already Division 1 and there's been no promotion or relegation into AIL for the last two years so um, realistically if we had won this year we wouldn't be going up anyway so I'm hoping that next year it'll be a bit more of a driver that you know if we do win something we get more than, than just a cup itself that we would actually get promotion which would be just amazing I think a lot of um, the more kind of country girls around this area if they wanted to play at that higher level they have to travel to I suppose Wicklow is the closest team but they have to if they want to go further afield than that it's Dublin so it would be great to get um, something a bit more uh, local to us in terms of AIL and I think it would attract more local girls especially with the likes of the, the rugby course in Carlo and just with regards to the club I know we're kind of focusing on your own team the women's team at the moment but obviously the men's side lifting the Towns Cup having a great promotion as well from Division 1B there must be a great sort of vibe around the club at the moment yeah, there absolutely is. There is that sense of camaraderie between both teams and even just spectators in general. I mean, the lad, the atmosphere after the lads match on the Sunday was amazing, but still, as you were going in to congratulate the men's team, you were still getting congratulated yourself by spectators on our win the day beforehand. So the whole club is just feeling amazing at the minute. And I mean, we're keeping our fingers crossed that the seconds can go out and do it tomorrow as well. And just as you look back on the season now, Lana, kind of, do you feel as though there's a real chance for the entire club and the women's team as well to use these successes and these victories and the publicity that comes with it to try and build again from the underage side of things, but also from the adult stages as well? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're not probably going to get much of a better opportunity being on such a stage with it. Um, so we're hoping that that will kind of drop. I know already a few of the underage girls, um, that are there's a fair few of them coming up to us next year. So we're hoping to kind of keep that system going and keep kind of drawn from Tullow itself and keep building from the ground up. Well, Lana, I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your day to talk to me today. Congratulations on an incredible victory last weekend and uh, best wishes, of course, for the new season as well. Um, Thanks very much. Thanks a million.
That was Tullow captain Lander Brendan there looking back on a remarkable week for the club. Leinster versus Toulouse is coming up very shortly with kickoff at the Aviva Stadium at 3pm and of course it's live right here on KCLR. Uh, Scott, first of all, a huge congratulations on the Towns Cup victory last weekend. How has the week been since? Um, interesting. <laughs> I, know, I was busy. Um, actually, we celebrated for a couple of days and it's a busy time at work, so not too long to celebrate. And just generally, Scott, I mean, the game itself, obviously, it was really tight against Kilkenny, but what was that since... Um, once he got over the line was it kind of one of relief achievement how did you feel when the final whistle went relief definitely relief I um, I was full sure we were going to throw it away really did you yeah. think you, you thought that Kilkenny were going to get over the line did you I thought they were going to get over the line that we were under pressure but uh, I didn't I didn't I knew I, I backed their defence that we'd keep them out but they were throwing the kitchen sink at us and they were like it was going to take everything to keep them out. And in those final moments, when you know that kind of everything's on the line, one team is going to win, one team is going to lose because of the difference in points at that stage. Like, what are you feeling in the game? Is it just about giving everything to try and avoid them crossing the line, or are you kind of, are you kind of, is there a feeling of trepidation because you know if they do get over the line, the whole game is gone? Yeah, it's just body on the line. Yeah, there's nothing you can do. You have to just give everything you got. Throw the kitchen sink at them. Like, um, we got to just give them all you can. There's nothing more we can do. Like, and there was, what was the four points in it? Uh, they score a try, we lose the game. Like, so, uh, we just have to give them everything. And just generally, Scott, I mean, to to win the Towns Cup, I mean, against the holders, of course, Kilkenny were the champions last year. What does it mean for the whole club? Actually, special, sir. Not just the whole club, the community. Like, uh, if if you go down to Tullow Town, there's Tullow flags everywhere. There's good luck Tullow signs everywhere. Like, uh, to the whole town, it's, it's a very special competition. Uh, it means everything to the community as much as the rugby club itself. And what is it that makes the Towns Cup so special? It seems to take on a sort of, uh, there's a uniqueness to it that maybe isn't there when it comes to the league sometimes. That's the holy grail really, isn't it? It's so difficult one, like it's not, it's not like we've, like we've only won it twice, so kinda, I think that's what makes it so special. It was so hard to win and finally in 2017 we got over the line and so this year we just got to back it up and win our second one. Yeah, and you won your second one, but of course it was your second trophy of the season also because you did gain promotion back to Division 1A of the Leinster League. You won Division 1B. Um, what was that like? And to top that off with the Towns Cup, how do you reflect on such a remarkable season? Yeah, sure. What's it like? It's great. Like, um, the Towns Cup is... It's five games, I suppose. You can hit a run a look, whereas the league is over the full season. It's 14 games. You kind of more. It's more of a measure of how your season going is to win the league. Like, so it was. It's nice to win that and get promotion. And to win the two of them together is 
it's kind of unbelievable really and just to look back on the league obviously it was incredible to win it and to lift silverware for yourself personally as the captain as well but to know that you're back in the top tier in Division 1A of the Leinster League what will that do for this team but also for rugby within Tullow it'll drive us further like and hopefully it'll stop young players wanting to go further afield to play I suppose hold on to them under 18 players that are going over age and get them to play in Tolo like we're playing a good standard we're playing a good standard of rugby so like they shouldn't need we have a university in Carla now so they don't need to go to Dublin to go to university anymore and I'm going to speak to um, Lana Brennan who of course captained your women's side to the Paul Flood Cup last Saturday as well and what was a remarkable weekend for the club like for the women's team to win the Paul Flood Cup for the men's team to win the Leinster League and of course the Towns Cup like is it fair to say that rugby in Tullow is in a really healthy position at the moment and don't forget the seconds are in a seconds cup final on Sunday of course so yes hopefully they can do the job on that yeah sure t- Ruby's in Tullow's in a fantastic place to, to win the league in a cup and the women to win the cup and hopefully the seconds will do it on Sunday and under 18 were unfortunate last night they lost to Wexford by a point in the South East final like every week you look on the Tullow Facebook page there's a final here a final there like the club is it's flying at the minute really and just finally Scott before I let you go we're talking about the club and the different teams within the club but for yourself as captain to lift the Towns Cup I mean only the second time in the club's history that a captain has done so what does it mean on a personal level? Everything I uh, had a son he's only 15 months old for to have him there in front of me when I was listening it kind of makes it very special well Scott it certainly was special to listen into and watch on if you were lucky enough to be in a tie last Sunday congratulations on the Towns Cup win and the Leinster League win and congratulations on what has just been an incredible season for Tullow thanks very much Welcome back into the final hour of Scoreline with myself, Robbie Dowling. I'm delighted to begin the final hour of Scoreline with a good friend of the show, Colm Cronin of the Irish NFL show, joins me on the line now. Colm, long time no speak. How are you doing? Very well, thanks, uh, Robbie. It's uh, been um, yeah, it's been a little while, but I suppose that's the thing. You get the lull in the, the NFL off-season, and then all of a sudden you get an event like the, the draft, which is us all, uh, you know, talking and discussing and debating the happenings of the last three days. And it is the draft that you're here to talk about, Colm. For people like myself, um, mere lay people that maybe aren't as engrossed in the NFL like yourself, could you give us a reminder of what the NFL draft is? Yeah, absolutely. So basically the draft, Robbie, is the way in which the college players enter into the NFL. It's a way in which... Um, I suppose the team, basically the team with the worst record last year gets to pick first and the team with the best record picks last. So the Kansas City Chiefs had the last pick in the first round. Um, And um, within that, you can have trades. So if I want to move up, I can offer you picks from next year in order to entice you to give me your picks 
for this year. And that's exactly what happened uh, with the Carolina Panthers, who traded to get into the number one spot with the Chicago Bears. The Bears were the worst team in football last year, but the Panthers were able to put a package together which allowed them to move up to number one in the draft and gave them the pick of all the players from college who will enter the NFL for the 2023 season. And what should we be what should we be looking out for in this year's draft column? Well, I suppose this year's draft was was an interesting one. It wasn't what they say is a vintage QB class. So um, many years you'll have quite, you know, a generational talent. You'll have a Trevor Lawrence, a Peyton Manning, and Andrew Luck, and everybody knows they're going to be a superstar. This year, all the QBs there were question marks about. Um, Bryce Young is short for a QB. He's um, just about 5'10". Uh, C.J. Strout is a good passer, but in order to be a great QB in the NFL now, you need to be able to scramble, you need to be able to run, you need to be able to make things happen outside of structure, as they say. And Anthony Richardson, who ended up going number four, he is, the, um, I suppose, the most talented, um, but he is a project. There's an awful lot of work to do for Anthony Richardson to truly fulfill that potential, um, and he ends up going to to the Colts. So that is the, the, I suppose, the QBs are going to be, the quarterbacks are going to be what everyone talks about all the time. They are what uh, tends to generate all the noise around the league. But I think, Robbie, what people should probably keep an eye on is the Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles and Howie Roseman, he is truly a gambler. He is willing to take risks that a lot of other general managers won't take. And that is why he has been so successful and he's been able to rebuild that Eagles team. And I think the Eagles will feel that they've had a very good few days. They ended up with the the guys that they really wanted uh, coming out of the, the draft. And they also traded uh, for DeAndre Swift, the running back. So they really restocked on both sides of the, the ball. And that was, everybody kind of wonders, how does Howie keep doing it? It's because his willingness to to take risks. So the Eagles, who lost in the Super Bowl last year, they'll feel pretty good about themselves today. But remember, we are talking about potential. We are talking about ifs, buts, maybes. Nobody knows what's going to happen when these guys actually take to the field. And can they truly fulfill that potential? Colm, every team in the NFL not just in the NFL, even in, in all professional sports, amateur sports, will have a strategy for a match. Do teams in the NFL and franchises in the NFL have a strategy before the draft? Yeah, and they, they do. Um, and, and different teams will have different ways of approaching it. And that's what makes it really interesting because you're talking about, say, take the running back position. That's an interesting one because... The the game has changed. So previously, teams didn't throw as much. It wasn't so much about passing, about quarterbacks. It was about running backs and get, handing the ball off. But that has changed. But some teams still feel there's an awful lot of value in that. So you had the Atlanta Falcons, and they took a guy named Bijan Robinson, widely regarded as a generational running back talent. And they took him at eight. Now, other teams, even though 
Bijan was probably potentially even the most talented offensive player, but because he was a uh, running back and not a quarterback, he was never going to go number one. But the Falcons were willing to do that. So some teams take the best player on the board, and some teams will, um, I suppose, value certain positions much more highly. So they will tend to say um, the offensive line and the defensive line, we need to ensure that we use our top picks on those. And you have seven rounds of picks. And they'll say the other positions, the wide receivers, the cornerbacks, the safeties, we can find talent in that in later rounds. So there's certainly an awful lot of strategy to it. And there's some dark arts that go into this because very often what you'll have seen over the past few weeks, leaks around stories and misinformation. And I suppose teams putting out stories that they're interested maybe in a certain player or not interested in a player or they're worried about some aspect of a player in order to get that player to drop in the draft. So if I'm interested in drafting a certain player and you're the GM, general manager of another team, you might put information out there, oh, there are concerns around this ankle injury. And all of a sudden I begin to question, am I right? Is is that information correct? And I don't go and, and get the guy and you get him. So there is an awful lot of strategy that goes into both the game of American football, but everything that surrounds it, including the draft. And I suppose we've seen it in other sports, particularly soccer, um, the interest in say, the transfer window in soccer. But it doesn't seem to have ever reached the height of the interest in the draft. Why is there such a fascination with the draft when it comes to American sports, but particularly NFL? I think it's because one of the things that the NFL really values above everything else is competitiveness. And they endeavor to ensure that no team can truly create a dynasty. Now, Tom Brady and the Patriots kind of broke that in many respects. Um, But you, you look at it and every year there are new teams competing. Like last year, the Eagles were in, in the in the Super Bowl. The year before that, they were in the playoffs. But the year before that, they only won four games. But you're able to rebuild your, your roster because if you're a bad team, all of a sudden you get seven um, opportunities to pick some of the best players. So you can turn things around and everybody has the same, I suppose, amount of money because you have a cap. You have, have um, and, and you can only spend so much money. So you can't stockpile talent. You can't do what maybe some of the big soccer teams do and buy up all, all the talent. And so that's, I think, what makes it so fascinating is because you have the opportunity. The Cincinnati Bengals might be a great example. They're a team who languished for years and they could never really be truly competitive. And by drafting Joe Burrow at number one overall, They've transformed their franchise. They are now a perennial contender just on the basis of Joe Burrow because he is so talented. I think that's what captures the imagination because you really can turn your franchise around um, by getting it right on the night. 